0: of John chapter 7 and verse 53. John chapter 7 verse 53. You can see this on the screens on either side of the platform. Please read together. We're going to read from verse 53 of John 7 to John 8 and verse 11. Let's read together. And everyone went to his own house. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? And this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. I'm pausing now, I don't hear your voices. But when they continued asking him, He raised himself up and said, He who is without you, without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one. and the woman standing in the midst when Jesus had raised himself up has no one condemned you and she said no one Lord and Jesus said to her neither do I condemn you go and sin no more the charges are dropped The case is dismissed. Would you tell somebody the charges are dropped? The case is dismissed. Would you tell somebody on the other side the charges are dropped? The case is dismissed. Be seated in the house of the Lord. Someone wrote how I wish that there was some wonderful place. Call the land of beginning again. For all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all our poor, selfish grief could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never put on again. I want to announce today that the charges are dropped. The case is dismissed. This is the day of your new beginning. The past is whatever the past is. Nothing can be done about it. But Paul said in Philippians 3 13, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching toward those things which are ahead. Let me beg you, don't spend your time looking at and evaluating other folks. Spend your time improving yourself. Don't occupy yourself observing and discussing other folks' behavior. Work on your own behavior. We're often more willing to hurt than we are to help. But if you can't help somebody, at least don't hurt them. Come on, tell your neighbor, if you don't help somebody, at least don't hurt them. When you hurt others, you hurt yourself. You confirm and enhance your negative side. And you devolve even further away from the person you need to be. You can't lift other folk without yourself being lifted. Note the text. Everyone went to his own house. Apparently, Jesus had no house in that vicinity nor did he seek to be a guest in the house of anyone else. He camped out on the Mount of Olives. What extreme sacrifices Jesus made in pursuit of his mission and of his ministry. He could have pursued wealth and luxury as primary objectives, but here Jesus spends the night out of doors, sleeping on a hill. Maybe he did this because he needed some time alone with the Father. Maybe he needed some time to meditate, some time to replenish his spiritual and emotional reserves. It might have been more difficult for him to do this in a house where he would have had to converse and interact with other people. The Mount of Olives was a favorite prayer retreat location for Jesus. And we need to know that the success of our public life is closely related to our private prayer life with our Lord. The text indicates that Jesus took over the temple. The text says, when he came into the temple, all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. When Jesus taught, he closed down all the other classes and all of the other services. Nobody else's Sabbath to school class could operate because everybody wanted to hear Jesus. His words were full of truth. They were full of life. They were full of emotional healing. These scribes that came to Jesus, they had no respect or concern for Jesus, who was speaking. He had, they had no concern for the people who were listening the scribes and pharisees might well have said stop speaking, stop listening we don't care about the eternal truths that you may be discussing let's focus on this mess this dirt that we want to talk about mess and dirt ought not interrupt meaningful productive conversation and pursuits (laughs) say that to your neighbor mess and dirt ought not interrupt meaningful and productive conversation and pursuits. John 8 and 3, then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Notice the word caught is used twice. And the word caught implies that there was some effort, some initiative, some inconvenience involved to catch somebody. You have to develop a strategy. You have to have an interest in their activities. You have to study their habits and study their movements. Usually the one who is interested in catching somebody wants to do the same thing has done the same thing. Hallelujah. One of the two people who were involved must have been related to someone. Now a wife, a husband, a fiance, a fiancee has a legitimate interest but everybody else who's stooping around is driven by jealousy and by lust. Amen. There are some self-appointed inspectors, private citizen policemen and policewomen whose mission in life is to catch somebody doing something. Can I preach today? They have no business of their own and so they want to get into everybody else's business. Big people, say big people. Big people discuss visions. Big people discuss ideals. Big people discuss values, self-improvement, goals, objectives. Little people discuss what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. It may have been some person among these scribes and Pharisees was mad because somebody beat their time. Or somebody won the prize that they were seeking. One of them may have wanted the woman for himself. The fact that someone does not want you should not cause you to try to destroy or hurt them. Can I preach today? Got some crazy, insane people in the world who in their relationships are violent and cruel and sadistic who hurt somebody because they don't want to have anything to do with them. But if, it, no, if somebody doesn't want to have anything to do with you, just, just go on about your business and say next. Mm-hmm. What kind of twisted love is it that kills what it cannot possess? If you're in an unfortunate relationship and you feel like someone is not treating you the way you want to be treated, just get up and move on. You don't have to try to fight them or kill them. Nobody ever fell in love with anybody who tried to hurt them or kill them. Hallelujah. And then there's hatred and competitiveness and envy and jealousy that can also cause people to want to catch and destroy other people. They have no dog in the fight but they are not pleased unless they sow misery in somebody else's life. These are the kind of people who call a husband, call a wife and tell them, you know, I heard this on your wife or your husband. Uh huh. There are some, they're the kind of people who are so miserable that they want everybody else to be miserable too. Have you ever met anybody who was so miserable that they wanted you to get miserable with them and get mad at you if you don't? But let me observe something else. Am I am I talking today? It takes two to commit fornication, adultery. If they caught her, does it not seem reasonable that they caught him also? Except in cases of rape, the law of Moses prescribed the same penalty for the consenting male that is prescribed for the consenting female. Why did they not bring both of them before Jesus Christ? The fact that they did not bring them both exposes them to be the cowards that they were. There has been and still continues to be a double standard for evaluating the behavior of females and the behavior of males. Let the women say amen. amen. Men get, a, get away with a lot of things that women are condemned for. Am I right about it? Men can walk away, leave women pregnant and responsible for the rearing of the child. They call the man a player, but they want to call the woman a slut or worse. But whatever one is, the other is also. There are some male sluts. Oh my. But because this woman was weak, because this woman was isolated, they chose to attack the woman rather than the man who might have been strong, influential, and able to retaliate against him. So she was merely a pawn in a chess game, a piece of merchandise to be bargained with, a bargain for. They cared nothing for her. They just used her to put Jesus on the spot. John 8 and 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But Jesus, what do you have to say about it? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Some things you've got to act like you don't even hear. See, they were precisely right according to the law of Moses. The law of Moses in Leviticus 20 and 10 prescribed that if one committed adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both of them should be put to death. And Deuteronomy 22:13 and following, if a betrothed woman commits adultery, both she and the man would be put to death by stoning. This was not the practice centuries later at the time of our text, but still the law said what he had said. And Barclay, the writer, gives us the following analysis of this situation. The dilemma in which they brought to Jesus was this. If he said that the woman ought to be stoned to death, two things followed. First, he would lose the name that he had gained for love and mercy, and never again could be called the friend of sinners if he had said stone the woman. Secondly, Jesus would come into collision with Roman law, for the Jews had no power to carry out the death sentence on anyone. But then if he said that the woman should be pardoned, then it would immediately be said that he was teaching men to break the law of Moses, that he was condoning and even encouraging people to commit adultery. That was the trap in which the scribes and the Pharisees sought to entrap Jesus. But Jesus turned their attack in such a way that it recoiled against themselves. They were trying to get Jesus in a tough spot, but they maneuvered themselves into a tough spot. Well, let's ask, why did Jesus write on the ground? He wrote on the ground because he may not have wanted to give a quick answer. He may have wanted to consider all sides of the issue. He might have wanted to stop and think about how he should respond to their question. He also may have wanted to think, wanted them to have some time to think about their actions and he wanted them to think about their attitude. They were so concerned about entrapping Jesus that they neglected a host of other considerations and factors: His writing on the ground may have represented the pause, say the pause, before speaking, deciding and acting. He said his writing on the ground may have represented the pause before speaking, deciding and acting. All of us need to be well acquainted and familiar with the pause. Ask your neighbor, do you know anything about the pause? If we had incorporated the pause into our every strategy, we would have avoided a thousand mistakes, regrets, and appropriate and unwise words and actions. If we had learned a little something about the pause, we would have directed our lives in wise pathways rather than into disasters and dilemmas. The pause enables you to be sure that your brain is running, before you put your mouth in gear. The pause enables you to examine a scenario before you create a scenario that's troublesome to you. It's impossible to call back words once you speak them, or deeds once you've done them, but the pause gives you an opportunity to test them on your ears of your mind and spirit and recall them before they're released on the world. If you think about what you're thinking about and examine it before you release it, you'll save yourself a world of trouble. Tell your neighbor, think about what you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. Someone has said Jesus wrote on the ground details about the sins that some of those men had created. In their lives, he being the son of God would be able to know and write down dates, places, names related to every one of the sins that every one of them had done in secret. All of our actions that we hide from people are done before an audience made up of God, the devil, the angels, and all the demons. Somebody ought to say amen. Amen. They know every detail. But whatever he wrote, when Jesus stood and spoke, his words fell like heavy stones on the ears of those men. Their hearts and their souls were impacted by the words of Jesus. John 8 and 7, they continued asking him. Jesus raised himself up, said to them, who is without sin among you? Let him throw a stone at her first. And after he said that, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even unto the last. They found themselves in a box much worse and much more perplexing than the box they thought they'd put Jesus in because his challenge brought them face to face with their past sins. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There are many who've committed sins of omission, James 4, 17, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. They were also guilty of an unforgiving and an unloving spirit and attitude. In Matthew 18, 21, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? But Jesus said to him, I do not say to you, up to seven times, but unto 70 times seven. And so then, in the text, in the verses 23 to 35, Jesus tells the story of a king whose servant owed him 10,000 talents. And because the servant could not pay, the king ordered that that servant be sold into slavery along with his family and his possessions to pay the debt. But when the servant begged for mercy, then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a few pennies in comparison to the debt he owed the master. But he laid his hands on him took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. That servant could not pay and beg for mercy, but he put that servant in prison. And when the king found out what he had done to his fellow servant, then his master called after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. You should not, should not you have had mercy and compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due. And so my heavenly father also will do to you, each of you from his heart, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. The Lord forgave him. He went out and took out vengeance on his fellow servant, had him thrown in prison. But the king came back again, said, listen, if you did not forgive your fellow servant, I'm not gonna forgive you, and you're gonna be in jail until you pay the debt you owe. How many of you know you need to forgive your brother and your sister? God has been so good to us, so kind to us, and if God has forgiven us and had mercy on us, we ought to be forgiving and merciful on our brother and our sister Who is around you? Lord, help me preach today. Galatians 6 and 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can show some traveler that he's traveling wrong, if I can cheer somebody with a deed or with a song, then my living has not been in vain. Come on, clap your hands and say, I'm going to encourage my brothers and sisters. Come on, clap your hands. Some people will not only refuse to forgive people for what is done to them. They will not forgive people whose individuals for what they have done to themselves. Get mad when you see people wrecking and hurting their own life. But listen, you ought not get mad at them. You ought to have compassion upon them. They have not done anything to hurt you. They are hurting themselves. But you, by your negative attitude, sometimes help the problem to be worse than it might be. So by the time all the scribes and Pharisees had left, the woman was in a state of utter shock and amazement. I'm sure that this whole experience had left her filled with sorrow and filled with regret. How could she have trusted the man who had deserted her? How could she have disrespected herself to such a degree. She'd already decided that if she ever had another chance, she would live her life differently. She probably prayed to God for mercy and for help. She'd expected to feel any moment the impact and pain of the rocks hitting her body. But instead, her accusers walked away without doing her any harm. And Jesus, before whom they had accused her, had written on the ground and overwhelmed the prosecution with one sentence. He that is without fault cast the first stone. He had saved her life. She sensed the love and the compassion that flowed from Jesus like she'd never felt before. He was the first man who'd ever met who seemed genuinely interested in her well-being rather than in using her for his own benefit. In his presence, she felt the power of God himself. And Jesus, in pulling those men down from their pedestal of arrogance and righteous indignation, had lifted her self-esteem and her self-value. If he could defend and fight for me, I must be worth more than I thought I was worth. If he spoke up for me, then somebody cares about me. Somebody loves me. If Jesus cared for me and thought to lift my spirit and to protect me, then I must be beloved of God. And God must have stepped in in his compassion and mercy to help take care of me. Child of God, don't you let anybody look down on you. You are a child of God. God loves you. God cares about you. If Jesus died for you, you must be somebody. Come on, tell your neighbor. if Jesus died for you, you must be somebody i don't know why he loved me i don't know why he cared i don't know why he sacrificed his life oh but i'm glad that he did i just came back to tell you jesus loves you you're beloved of god if you had been the only sinner on the face of the earth jesus would have died just for you he loves you just that much it's not just generic for the human race, but Jesus knows the number of hairs that are on your head. He knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're going. He knows what you've done. He knows what you have not done. And he loves you, and he died for you on the cross. That you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. But somebody clap their hands and give praise to God. Hallelujah. Notice how it was at first. In John 8 and 3, when the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. They made her sit down. But then in verse 9, then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the holiest, even to the last. And when Jesus was left alone, the woman was standing in the midst. The men made her sit down. When Jesus came into her life, she stood up. Jesus will give you the power to stand against what comes against you. Jesus will give you strength to stand even among unrighteous men. Jesus will put you on your feet when others try to knock you down. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. When life has knocked you down on the ground, Jesus can put you on your feet again. Come on, will you tell somebody? When life has knocked you down, Jesus can put you back on your feet. Anybody here who knows, he can stand you up and put you on your feet. And verse 10 says, when Jesus raised himself up, he saw nobody but the woman. This is strange terminology because John had just said that she was in the midst. The crowd was there except for the men who accused her. But this is just God's way of letting somebody know that though there are thousands in this room, God is focusing on you as if you are the only person in the room. Come on, tell your neighbor, though there are thousands in the room, God is looking on me as if I was the only one here. And so it is the omnipotent God who rules the whole universe is concerned about you. Tell your neighbor, the God of the earth who rules the whole universe is concerned about you. He knows your name. He knows what you've been through. God knows all about you. Hallelujah. And it was just for you. He wants you to feel that everything that's been said, everything that has been done, it is as if it was just for you. You can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so Jesus looked down at the woman and said, where are your accusers? And she said, I don't have any Lord. He called Jesus Lord. He said to him, you are my Lord. But you did, I just came to tell you, what you did is not who you are. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, what you have done that displeased God is not who you are. What people have called you is not who you shall be. People have tried to sentence you to death. But Jesus said, I've done away with your sentence. The sentence is forgiven. The case is dismissed. Tell your neighbor the sentence is forgiven and the case is dismissed. Come on and praise him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Lord, for salvation. Thank you for saving my soul. Come on and praise him. Hallelujah. he said listen I'm not telling you what you did was right what you did was wrong don't do it anymore you're hurting your life you're hurting yourself you've got to live on a different level and a new level but I'm going to give you a second chance I'm going to help you start all over again the prodigal son left home, took his inheritance, went and spent it in righteous living. He decided after a while when everything was gone and he had hit rock bottom, said even my father's servants have bread enough and despair, but I'm going to go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be called your servant, your son, Just make me a hired servant. But the Bible said the father, when he saw him, ran to him, put his arms around him. His father gave him another chance. Tell your neighbor this is the day. of another chance. Another chance to be saved. Another chance to obtain the mercy of God. Another chance. Aren't you glad that God has given you A second chance Would you help me praise Him? Praise Him! A second chance A second chance I gotta close this thing down The Bible lets me know That people will throw you away But when they've thrown you away God will pick you back up again And some even today Like to throw away things We have a throwaway society, paper towels, paper napkins, plastic forks, plastic spoons, throwaway stuff that we should be keeping. Many times we just throw it away because we'd rather throw it away than to fix it. My son Larry had an old beat-up car and I got tired of looking at it. It was a little tiny car, the wheels were missing, it was battered, it would not glide or roll. It was worthless and so i decided one day this thing is just cluttering up the yard so i'm going to throw it away and obviously larry saw me throw his old car away he went over to the trash can and he said daddy where's my car where's my car i said larry it's broken the wheel is broken off i've got you new little cars to play with this one is no good it's broken and larry said daddy I like broken things All I could do was go and get that car And give it back to Larry I heard Jesus say Father, I like broken things Somebody's heart is broken Somebody's mind is broken Somebody's life is broken Somebody's future is broken Look at your neighbor and say Neighbor, it's not over yet god is not through with you yet hallelujah Hallelujah. stand up and praise him stand up and praise him stand up and praise him It's not over yet. Somebody in this room comes right out of a defeat. There have been problems and challenges and difficulties that have come upon you. You're sitting in the house of the Lord, despondent and broken, just trying to keep mind and body together. You're discouraged. But the Lord sent this word for you today. I want you just to make your way to the altar. God's going to infuse you with strength and with encouragement. You can make it. You are an overcomer. Just come on down and stand before the altar. This is your time. This is your day. You've got enemies and folk who try to block you and stop you. Be bold enough to step out and Stand before the altar. God has chosen the foolish things of the world, the weak things, the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. If you're fighting a battle and you seem to be losing, get down to the altar. Come down here as fast as you can. The Lord is able, casting all your care on him. Because he cares for you. Come down, come down. This is your time. Your time. The yoke is broken. Jesus loves you. Jesus will transform your life, Jesus will set you free. Come on and praise God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Lord doesn't want to condemn you the Lord wants to bless you he wants to give you strength and power to stand up in the midst of all the attacks of the devil he said behold I give you power over all the power of the enemy I give you power to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you I just came out to tell you It's not going to hurt you. I said it's not going to hurt you. When God brings you out of what he's bringing you through, you'll be better than you were before. And you'll be praising God for what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. There are some things, there are some things that we've got to go through when the Lord brings you through this you'll have a testimony you'll have ability to appraise God and to bless God what the Lord has done in your life so I tell you my brother my sister this came to make you this came to make you strong this came to enable you to endure this thing came upon you that God might show himself to be God in your life you won't leave here like you came I said, you're not going to leave here as you came. The burden is lifting in the name of Jesus. I come against it, I rebuke it. God is God of the second chance. I said, God is God of the second chance. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. When I count to three, I want you to praise God for deliverance. Praise God for helping you. Praise God for bringing you out. One, two, three, praise Him! Thank you for the deliverance that you wrought in the lives of these your children. I thank you, Lord, that you have turned their lives around. I thank you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You're renewing their strength. They will mount upon wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Thank you. Healing is here. Deliverance is here. The yoke is broken. You're forgiven. And you can praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 This is the time of the turnaround. I said this is the time of the turnaround. Would you just turn around for me please? Turn around. Just turn around. Turn around. Turn around. Come on do it one more time. Turn around. Now grab somebody by the hand and tell them it's over. I've got the victory. Victory. Over your trial. Over your hardship. Over your difficulty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody in the room needs to be forgiven. You need to give your life to the Lord Jesus. You need to be saved. If you're here today, lift that hand if you need. The salvation and the forgiveness of the Lord you need God to work a miracle of forgiveness in your life lift that hand up high you want to be saved you want to commit your life to the Lord and allow God to sustain you and keep you I see those hands if you lifted your hands make your way to the altar remain at the altar the rest you may, may return to your seats God bless you it's done it's done as you go just tell folk around you it's done it's done it's done it's done, it's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. <laughs> It's done, it's done, it's done. Come on, lift that hand and thank God. You know what I just saw? I just saw a burden of guilt fall off of somebody's shoulder. I just saw somebody get delivered and claim the victory. Would you give praise to the Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for those who have come to the altar who said, I need to be saved. I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. I cast all my care on him because he cares for me. And I thank you, Lord, for salvation. I thank you for changing my life. I thank you for coming into my heart in the name of Jesus. Say these words after me, dear Lord. Please forgive my sin. I'm sorry for every wrong thing. I've ever done. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. I believe He's the Son of God. I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you, Lord. I am saved. You praise to the Lord. You praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. The Bible says that when you pray like you have prayed and the prayer that you've just prayed, every sin is laid on Jesus. And if it's on Him, it's not on you. If you'll trust Him and hold on to Him, study His word, worship Him, obey Him, give Him your heart, your life, He'll receive you he said, him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus loves you. And you just moved to a new level of life. All of us are learning the word of God. and Striving to what God would have us to be. And we want to struggle with you in the way of the Lord to become what God would have us to be and grow in him. I'm thankful for what he's doing in your life. I want to travel with you all the way to heaven in the name of Jesus. But all of you turn right? I want you to follow that brother in that light suit. I want to know who you are. I want to write you this week. I want your name on my prayer list. Would you go with him? Turn right. Go right in that direction. Come on, praise God. is broken, victory has come in Jesus name. Come on everybody.